0: Let's do it! Yeah. Yeah, baby. Welcome to another episode of the Wakem Impact em Podcast. This is your host, Chad Pillar. If I got my co-hosts. Ooh. Ooh,
1: ooh. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Hi, hey, another beautiful day, brother. Another beautiful
0: day of a podcast. Oh Absolutely. Yeah. got the AKA Black Mama on there. You oh, yeah. There you go. There we go. <laughs> we're the Ebony and Ivory Podcast. Yeah, yes. we're here today, guys. Oh my lord, we got a good one, dude. This guy's legit. Ooh, like LL Cool J. I'll knock you out. <laughs> ooh, oh, 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 yeah. Mama say, knock you ooh, out. Ooh, yeah. Woo! But before we get into that, let me just tell you a little few things. First, I want to sp- thank my sponsors out there. Mountain Bound Hunt Co. These guys invented the new state of the art oh, dog kennel for all you dog loving guys out there. that are running dogs for birds. Duck season's about to come in. I'm, yeah. Get this kennel. Uh for your dog. They'll love you uh, like no other. They are probably love you, but they're going to leave you love you more cuz these kennels do I you know it? Absolutely. They, they got mattresses. They got LEDs. They got USB <laughs> ports. I mean, it's legit, dude. They got, they got they got doubles. They got singles. Oh, 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 man. oh, They got shed hangers going on. And also, guys, check these guys out. We will all be out there, but they're going to be out there. December sixth to the seventeenth in Las Vegas, Woo-hoo! at the RMEF Cowboy Christmas Baby yes. and Booth two, three, two. Zero zero, Come on out. Yeah. Come on out. Because you know what they say, baby. Hunt Dwight, what happened in Vegas? Stays, Stays in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, baby. Ooh, check these guys out. They're legit. Oh, man almighty. You dogs are going to love you like no other, baby. Absolutely. Let them let lie in comfort, baby. Oh, Just like
1: yeah. you want yourself when you come home and lay on the couch.
0: <gasps> <laughs> Don't lock me in there, daddy. Don't lock me in there. <laughs> also, guys, go out there and check out Wild Eds, Inc., baby. These guys are the OG in saddles. And, dude, if you guys want to elevate your game and get in a tree, I know everybody, there's some people out there hunting tree stands and all that, but you know what? Get a saddle. You'll be able to hide yourself, go 360 around the tree. Oh yeah, they got the berserker. They got the platform. They got the the, the battlement. They got the battle axe, baby. Ooh, mm-hmm. and you know what? The battle axe just sounds beefy and mean, <laughs> do not it, Dwight? <laughs> yeah. It oh my god, it's like hunting in a hammock. There it oh is. man. Ooh. Oh Drew. Ooh, you, I even like well, hammock. Only hey, me thing too, bro. I, only, oh, only thing I'm missing is a margarita. <laughs> exactly. Woo, woo, woo. yeah. Exactly. Hey, Drew is a veteran-owned business. He's. Oh, thank you, Bob. By the way, Drew, for being a veteran. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: Thank you all you veterans out there. First responders, all
1: of you. But you know what? Like I said, and I've said it a thousand times before, if it wasn't for our veterans, baby, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have today in this country. So hug a vet, kiss a vet, tell them thank you. And we're even talking about the vets that's uh, left before us. You know what? Honor them. Yes. Honor them as all you can, as much as possible you can.
0: If you see one, like I said, say thank you for their service. Yes, thank you so much. So go out, check out wildedgeinc.com, dude. Get on their website. By the way, there's a sale going on, dude. Oh, you didn't hear it from me, but you did hear it from me. There's a sale going on. There's a discount on the saddles. There's a discount on the platforms. There's a discount. Because you know what? Nowadays, brother... Everybody likes the word discount. Oh, because inflation, baby! Woo! Inflation is it's, killing us all. Oh, especially with these gas prices out Absolutely. here. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh man, Almighty! And you know what? That piece of shit Gavin Newsom just passed that new law a couple of days ago. Eleven percent tax. We were just talk- we were just podcasting earlier, guys. And I know uh you you probably heard it last week because when you guys hear this, it, uh, that podcast was a week ago. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we were with Johnny Utah and. We were talking about it, and they just passed a lot bill out here that yep. 11% tax on all rifle hunters. So you know what that means, Dwight. Yep. More bow hunters. Yep. More bow hunters coming out there
1: and just, you know, taking up more space, taking up more tags. Some of these open spots will be able to get the hunt. They're probably going to start doing the draw for the archery and a lot of these oh, other places that's man. over the counter. I hate this guy. You know, oh. I'm telling you. You know, and that that also includes those who just go out and just shoot. They're going to charge you more. Oh. Yeah. charge you more just because you're one of these guys who go target and you just enjoy hunt, hunt, do you enjoy shooting? You're just enthusiast and that's it. But yet they're just making it, making it tougher and rougher for everybody it here sucks. in this space. It
0: does suck, right? Yeah, it oh, does. Big my time. Gosh. Whoa. Big time. Yeah. And also, uh, uh the time this comes out, I don't know if uh, it's already been in effect, but there is a, a petition to sign for Catalina Island. Oh, yeah, dude. You know what? That is horrible. I know we mentioned it last time on the
1: podcast, but those who didn't catch it or whatever else, uh, Catalina is going over there, and they're going to eliminate all the mule deer that are on that island. So there will be no more hunting on that island. But there is a petition out there, and Chad said he's going to put it on the on our on our on our account on Instagram or in our whatever you're gonna post it. That's the bottom line. It's gonna post it yeah. so that you can sign it and send it to make sure we're making sure that it gets to where it's supposed to be. So they don't do that because the bottom line, dude, they're taking up our spaces. They're taking up our animals. These animals are ours, and the bottom line is they take our animals away from us. What's next? It's gonna be they're gonna do. They're gonna put some other restrictions on fishing and more and more because you know as well as I do. Once the government takes something away, they ain't giving it back. So for those, you know, when you get taxed, right, during tax season, how long does it take for them to give you your money? It takes forever. But the bottom line, they're quick to get
0: there. So, oh, hey, you just remember yeah, that. Yeah, so, uh, ooh, so when you guys see it, make sure you guys go over there, sign a petition. Let's end this crap, dude. You know what I mean? They tried to take bear hunting uh, the last few years, but it didn't work. We can stop them again. Absolutely. And we're going to do it. Listen, everybody needs to just unite together and end this. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, everybody, I know you guys are gringing out your teeth. You guys want to talk to this guy? You want to hear his story? Because you know what? I want to hear his story. Because you know what? This guy's legit, dude. He's a legit guy. You know that. I mean, I'm just telling you. Box UFC fighter. Nice. <laughs> did I say UFC? Yes, I surely did, did you say did. UFC. Yes, you this did. guy's a boxer. He gets it down. He's a grinder. He has all kind. He has all kinds of other stuff. He's. Uh, I think. I believe he's doing real estate now. He does food preps for all oh, okay. you. All you gym nut guys out there that need like. Uh, you know, a weekly food because you Absolutely. know what nowadays everybody uh they fast food yeah fast food it's quick. Yep. This guy literally has his own food prep service, dude, nice. and it's crazy. That's and you cool. know what's so crazy is, white. When we hunted Oroville, right. we were out in Oroville. This guy's from Oroville. Oh, nice. Yo, I wish I would have talked to him and knew him then because yeah. we, we would have hung out with this guy. Oh, shoot. I'd <laughs> love to. He seems like it. Yeah. So let's get into it. This is my man. Yeah. Tyler Diamond. What's up, Tyler? Yeah
2: hey what's up guys oh,
0: oh dude i am so pumped and so excited that you're on this uh podcast the Whackham and Pack 'em podcast yeah
2: yeah yeah thanks dude i've been following you on instagram for a while what struck me was uh was your crazy personality i was like man this guy's a nut but <laughs> so uh i think it's awesome Thanks,
1: hey brother. tyler trust me i've been around this fool long enough that I confirm it? Yeah, he is a nut.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he seems nuttier than squirrel shit. times, dude.
0: <laughs> Every squirrel needs a nut, baby. Ooh. Ooh. So what's up, Tyler? Tell everybody who you are, where they can find you if you want them to find you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm Tyler Diamond. There's not too many of us out there. Uh, you type it in, it's probably the first social media account that pops up. But, you know, the older I get, uh, the more disconnected I've become. Like I, I used to post like every other day on Instagram, but I also had more going on then in a sense, uh, more going on in terms of like time, I guess. Uh, I got more going on in life certainly, but yeah, man, I'm not, not on the social media as as much anymore. That's for, that's for sure. In fact, uh, I feel like a lot of people now don't really know what's going on with Tyler Diamond anymore. You know, like uh, there's so much I have going on now that people just don't even have a clue. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, one thing for sure, Tyler, I have to tell you, I was looking at your, uh, at your posts and stuff over on Instagram. One thing is very impressive, brother, that you are one hell of a family man. I think you have more pictures of your family on there than you have. of you fighting and competing and stuff? And I tell you what, that's what, that's what, that's what we need more of in this country of fathers being fathers, brother. And I want to congratulate you and all the other fathers that stick it out, stay at home and do what's necessary to be the dad in the house.
2: Yeah, no, thanks, man. When, you know, when you, uh, start a family, your priorities shift dramatically, you know, it's pretty incredible looking back to five, six years ago, my priority was like being the best fighter in the world. And that was it. That's all I kind of cared about at the time. But now, like, I don't care about that at all. (laughs) You know, um, I'm kind of in a weird spot in my career as far as fighting goes, you know, but, uh, I mean, I still want to fight. I still want to compete, but at the end of the day, that's, that's so, that's secondary to everything else I have in life. Like number one is, is being a good husband and dad and, and fighting is just so far down the priority list now in terms of importance.
0: Did you, uh, so when you when you grew up, did were you always into hunting and stuff? Or... no
2: no I I kind of I mean I, I grew up my parents were great but like I I was in the foster care system a little bit and then you know my parents like really got their act together I I was in like sixth grade and I kind of had I mean I, I got into wrestling and that that kind of I just kind of took that path of like okay I, I wrestle now. Uh, you know, my dad was really big on like, hey, if you start something, you don't quit. So as soon as I started wrestling, it was like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. So I, I wrestled and I played football and I had a lot of fun doing that. And then while I was in high school, I had a, a couple friends that I had made that were hunters. And I have a couple uncles that were hunters, but, um, and so I tagged along with them. And so it was always something that kind of interested me, but without my dad, hunting or any like really direct influences it was kind of hard you know but as i got older and i got a vehicle and started driving i started hanging out with my buddies that hunted and naturally i just got into it and uh it was something that i was like holy crap like this this is like one of my passions here you know like wrestling's a passion of mine but but hunting is a close second i really enjoy this so um it's just something that i slowly got into and obviously i could only hunt so much um, wrestling what seemed like full-time. And then so when I graduated from college, I started training in May full-time. So I really haven't ever been able to dedicate a ton of time to hunting. It's just been kind of little bits and pieces here and there. But um, I have more time now than ever. So I've I've really been getting into it hot and heavy, and it's been a lot of fun.
0: So when you were growing up, did you when you did do hunting, you, uh, you were obviously a rifle hunter?
2: Yeah, I would just – Really all it was, was I would just ride with my uncle in the truck and we would just be rifle hunting, you know, and the, I knew that if it was pissing rain, we were going hunting during season, (laughs) you know, so that, that was kind of our MO and he just, he drank a lot of beer. So, um, but it, it was fun just being with them nonetheless. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of my experience and I have, uh, I have kind of like an adopted uncle that used to guide bear hunting with dogs and he still has his dogs now. Like he, when they banned, uh, the use of hounds in California, a lot of guys got rid of their dogs, but he was like, hell no, I'll never get rid of my dog. So he still has them. And, you know, uh, it's seems pretty restrictive as far as where he can take them at what times of the year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I still go out with him every once while and, you know those things chase foxes and and coons and everything else, and but it's a lot of fun. Wow,
1: yeah, you know what? I I, I could see how that bothers you because so I was looking at your uh, at your Instagram and saw that saw you standing by that side. saying, recall, Gavin Newsom, that had the bear on it. And I tell you <laughs> what, bro, you know
2: we were talking. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't. I can't stand that guy. I mean, he's, he's pretty much the worst. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, we've got to deal with them because we got a lot of idiots in the state of California. So,
1: yeah, dude, you know, because even like we're just like we're talking, you know, it. You know, I don't know if your if your if your uncle was the guide and used the I mean, with the dogs, of course, but you know, we we're, were talking about the uh, uh, Catalina Island thing. You know, a lot of these guys are going to lose their jobs that go out there and make money, take away their living that they're doing right now. Because of the fact, that yeah, I was going to say, I,
2: I actually learned, I actually learned quite a bit in that intro. Um, what man, what a shame about Catalina Island. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. It's probably come from a bunch of people who want to protect the animals, but somehow they want to get rid of them off this island. It it's seems super pretty crazy. counterintuitive.
0: Because you know, back in the yeah, days but, when they went in with helicopters and they sh- eradicated Santa Cruz Island, remember yeah, that they eradicated yeah. all of them. I mean, yeah, hey, dude, they even did it for all the goats and pigs in Catalina. I remember back when I was a kid, I literally could, it was, Catalina was the bow hunter paradise. You could go over there for three days, take the freaking Catalina Express, go over there, and hunt for like $400. Wow. And I mean, that's when I had aluminum arrows, and you know, and you would have a double quiver, and you go and you shoot. Dude, they went over and eradicated these things, dude. Just uh, like Santa you know, wow. Cruz and uh, maybe another one. I mean, what they killed all from helicopter, yeah. and now they're trying to do it again, dude. It's just crazy, dude. And the
1: sad part too is that they're not going to use that meat for anything. Nope, not going to use it for anything.
0: Nope. And that's yeah. good
1: meat. Yeah, very good meat.
2: But a shame. But yeah. but they'll take a bear. They'll take a bear in Los Angeles, and they'll they'll uh, spend. Two weeks finding it and then they'll go relocate it somewhere.
0: Oh, and you Uh, and they're doing that like crazy over because all the bears that you guys see on TV and like you see on TV, dude, that's literally like twenty minutes from us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's excellent. To get there and everything else doesn't take much. Yep. Not at all. And like I said, Chad was there not too long ago and he had the best time of his life.
2: Yeah, man. What a shame, but nothing, nothing really surprised me at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely trying to be more like, you know, in the know, and trying to be more of, of an ambassador for hunting, you know, because at the end of the day, we really do gotta stick together, the hunting community, and and really, uh, you know, fight, fight for things like this. I mean, just like when they tried getting bear hunting banned, which was so crazy. Um, it was, it was scary to think that like wow, you know, I mean, they're just trying to chip away at our rights all the time and they, you know, how you do it is you just do it little bit by little bit and, you know, it started with the hounds and then now they're just trying to eradicate it all together and then pretty soon we won't be able to kill coyotes and it's just, you know, it's just they're trying to take, take, they're just trying to chip away a little bit at a time, you know and it's just a shame.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's extremely horrible, brother and we need ambassadors like you but, you know, like I said, even when I brought that topic up You know as well as I do, they will start going after fishermen and doing certain things with fishermen because it's just one of those things that they do. Take one thing from here. If we can do do that, now we can work on something else. So that's why I say even if you're not even a hunter, you fishermen need to come stand up for us because we as hunters will stand up for you. We have to unite as an outdoors person, period. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was just at the doctor's the other day, and, um, the guy was kind of funny. So I, short story, I actually broke my hand hunting a week ago. Oh. It was pretty crappy, but when I was getting X-rays, the guy was like, "So how'd you do this?" And I was like, "Oh, I was actually out hunting." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't really like hunting," and you know, you got people that go out there and they just kill things for fun. And I, I had to like very quickly educate them and say, you know, hey, that that's kind of a myth, and that's actually not hunting; that's poaching. I said, you know, any, I said ninety nine point. 9% of hunters aren't aren't for that in any way. In fact, you and I are on the same side on this issue. And he goes, "Yeah, I just, you know, I'm just kind of an animal rights guy." And I said, "Well, we're on the same team then because hunters as hunters were animal rights people too. I mean, we we care about them, you right. know." And uh we had a really good short 5-minute deal that I I feel like I saw the light bulb kind of go off in his eye like, "Oh, wow, this guy is actually, you know, he's a hunter but he's a sensible. He didn't attack me for what I think, but actually just kind of educated me. And, and that was that was kind of cool to make uh, that little connection with him.
1: You know, it's so funny. I had that same thing. I had a supervisor. I was talking about hunting, trying to get some guy to go hunting with me and everything, and she pretty much slammed me down and told me to be quiet, and she never wanted to hear me talk about hunting again. She flew back to Kansas to visit family, and she came back, and she didn't even pull me aside. She apologized to me, and she told me that, hey, you know what, Dwight, uh, I kind of understand it. She goes, because you know what? Because I'd rather you guys go out there, hunt the animal, hunt the deer, and eat the meat than to see all these deer slaughtered by cars sitting on the side of the road. And I tell you what, I was very, I was, I was happy somehow someone was able to convince her and change her mind about us hunters.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's great. I mean, I feel like if anyone has decently open mind and they, they either get a little bit of experience. In that world, or they talk to somebody who actually knows what to talk about I and mean, they'll they'll kind of see the light a little bit, you know. Anyone that anyone that kind of can't grasp the concept, or is just super like, oh, anti-hunter, you, you know, f-hunters, et cetera, um, those people can't be saved anyway. So
1: no, and you know what, and, and and you know what, the crazy part is if if they would allow it here in California, like they do in other states, to allow. Uh, like when a deer gets hit by a car, they take it to a soup kitchen to help feed the homeless and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just it, it's just not people out there hunting. The fact is, is that even there are trophy hunters that are out there, but they go take the meat to to a soup kitchen to feed families. They take it to a church, so they can butcher it up. You know, it is feeding the people who are less fortunate than we are. I mean, it's the same thing they do in Africa when we go shoot the animals; they take that meat and they give it to the villager people there to eat it because mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're yeah they're, absolutely
2: and and i i have no desire to ever like go hunting in africa or anything like that okay. it's expensive but i just i don't have that desire but i respect it and i i get why it's necessary and i get why it happens and i'll still defend anyone's right who wants to go do that it makes sense it's a system that makes sense but man i'll tell you what that's a hot but hot button topic uh with people yeah. you know you see a see a picture of somebody behind a lion or a giraffe or whatever and man people go crazy
1: yeah they do but
2: and you know the crit- they don't they don't want to understand necessarily either
1: you know it's so crazy though because of one of the things that we learned and i'm, I'm kind of on on my little pedestal here but one thing that we learned while we we're in africa was the fact that the animals that that we shoot are pretty much in a high fence they're, they're bought animals just like they do with cows Right, they buy the cows. You you, you slaughter mm-hmm. the cow, and then they sell the meat to us to eat. It's the same thing. It's not like that. We're going into the wild for most part. I mean, you have places that are much bigger, and maybe they may go out in the wild and hunt, and you know, but they still do a count on those animals. But the thing is, is that when you go do the high fence, and I know those people don't like high fence, but I mean, we're you would have never known and I know Chad mentioned it before on one of the podcasts you would have never known that we were in a high fence area whatsoever but the thing is these guys are breeders just like anybody else that's a breeder that breed a
0: cow breed something else for for our consumption no different at mm-hmm. all yeah because we literally yeah. we went into that that place that we were hunting at boss safaris yeah boss safaris uh, it was 5000 acres dude yeah. i mean we, we never saw a fence until uh, we left yeah, yeah. you can't
2: you have yeah, five thousand acres. You're not you're not seeing fence. I mean, unless you're trying, right. you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and you know and then you brought up the lion deal, dude. A lot of people don't know that whole Cecil lion crap. Hey, yeah. dude, they, they we were with the guy out there and we were asking him about it, and he literally, they're like, oh no, the United States gave that lion a name, Cecil. They didn't even know that lion had a name. Yeah, in Africa, it's true.
2: I'm sure they didn't. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that guy that guy got a bad rap. Yeah, he you did. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah he yeah, he got a shit rap, but you know what well, we're not gonna get into that line of deals, but <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> hey, so hey Tyler, so you were hunting with your uncle or driving around, he was drinking beers, having good time. When was the first time that you actually shot a deer?
2: The first time I shot a deer wasn't even until I got back from college because oh deer season was always in the fall. So in the fall, I was either playing football in high school or in, in college wrestling. I'm, I'm wrestling. I'm getting ready for season. Yeah. So I never spent any time actually deer hunting for myself until I graduated college. So I graduated college in, uh, I don't know, like may of 2014. I killed my first buck. I want to say like September of 2014, because, um, I actually just dedicate myself to it and, it was one of those deals, it was kind of almost just beginner's luck, I mean, it was just like a decent three by three, but I went to a a buddy who, a really great friend, I mean, I might even call him brother, really, he, we actually, uh, we co-own a beef business together now, but I went out to his ranch, and we literally were on the quad for maybe five minutes, and we just, I mean, it was like the perfect storm, you know, it just lined up, and I shot him and then boom, it was like, wow, there's your first buck. And he, uh, kind of explained, yeah, well, you probably won't get too many easy ones like that, which, you know, I kind of already understood. I had a pretty good grasp on what was going on, you know, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. And then since then, you know, I've tried getting into archery pretty hot and heavy. Um, something I really enjoy. It's just, uh, gosh dang, it's hard. It's so dang hard, (laughs) you know, but which is also part of the reason why I love it too. Right. So, um, yeah, I still haven't really shot like a big, mature buck yet. Um, I've came so dang close. I mean, I've came, I've came so incredibly close to shooting some world class blacktail, but uh, you know, you you gotta have everything line up. And there's been a couple times where I've had nine out of ten things line up, and that ten thing just doesn't work out, and I'm not able to put an arrow in that animal. But my time's definitely coming. I've, I've spent a lot of time out scouting. I've I've got a good grasp on what's going on now. It's just uh yeah, my time's coming. It's just uh having the stars align is is difficult bow hunting.
0: Hey so you said that you played football in high school, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, so I wrestled in high school too. So did I. Okay. Nice. The it's greatest nice. the greatest sport ever. And I don't
1: give a Absolutely. damn how conditioned you think you are after football.
0: You ain't got oh, yeah. nothing when it comes to training for wrestling. Yes. No. <laughs> so my question is, you didn't wrestle in high school, though, right?
2: Yeah, I wrestled in high school. I, I played football and wrestled in high school. I started both of them in, like, the sixth grade, and I just did oh. both of them through high school.
0: Oh, shit! Nice. Yeah. Okay.
2: okay. Correct. And then, yep.
0: and then when you got went to college, you're like, oh, I'll forget football. I'm going to wrestling.
2: Well, well, I'm only 5'7", and coming out of high school, I was only, like, 155 pounds. So, yeah, football wasn't in the cards. And I was way better at wrestling anyway, to be honest. Like, I mean, uh, that's where I was finding success. So, yeah, I just – um, I I, I made the round of 12 in high school as a senior. So basically I was one away from placing at the California State Tournament. Nice. And uh, if you don't place the California State Tournament, kind of getting some college offers is pretty difficult. So I didn't really have many – um, at all. So I ended up just going to Sac City Junior College, and I went there for two years, and that's when I made a connection with uh, Team Mill. I met nice. Danny Castillo, Chad Mendez, and some of those guys. Nice. So what I would do, is, when it wasn't wrestling season, I'd be training in May with those guys, and then during wrestling season, I'd be wrestling, obviously. So I spent my two years in Sac doing that, and then uh, that's when I transferred to North Dakota State, and I did my final three years out there. And um, the only hunting I did out there was my senior year, um, I duck hunted a ton because um, I didn't know at the time, and I can't even describe it very well. But essentially what the state of North Dakota does is if you have a hunting license in another state and you're going to school out there, they basically will give you like an in-state license for a year. It's based like a year before you transfer to like the a resident of their state. so. I didn't do that till my senior year, obviously. So, I was able to utilize a year of just paying like whatever, like forty bucks for a license and cool. a couple bucks for a for a stamp. And then, uh, yeah, I was able to go duck hunting. So, me and my buddies every weekend we'd uh, we'd drive out. We'd we'd limit on Friday night or Friday evening. We'd limit Saturday morning. We'd limit Saturday evening. We'd limit Sunday morning. We'd drive home. It was awesome.
1: Wow, that's cool. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yep. it
2: was it was really great. Oh yeah, no, we loved it. We we absolutely loved it and it was just such a good time. I mean it, it's a lot different to California. I mean, you know, obviously you got the blind uh you got the you got all the rice blinds here and other than that you got refuges that you can you can get on if you sweat line it or whatever. But out there there's so much public land, it's unreal. I mean we hardly ever saw people.
0: It was Ooh. it was a lot of fun. That's it was cool. a lot of fun. I wonder if it's like that now back there.
2: I you know what I don't know. I mean I have a buddy, Hayden Zilmer, uh on the world team for wrestling and he still goes out there quite a bit and uh I mean from the sound of it it sounds like nothing's really changed. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean there's there's not that many people up there. Right. You know what I mean? Like we lived in Fargo, which was a pretty big big city, but right. you know, we're driving we're driving two hours west of Fargo, uh, and every town you drive through there has maybe fifty people in it. So, uh yeah, I mean we didn't we didn't see nothing for, for other hunters really. Damn.
1: Damn. That Uh, sounds like paradise.
2: Yeah. It, it, it really reminded me of like the good old days when people talk about the good old days of hunting, that was it for me. That was my experience of the good old days. You know, it was, it was really
0: pretty incredible. Do you do, do you do duck hunting out here in California?
2: You know what I do a little bit. Um, I used to have a blind out in Willows. Um, but I had my son in 20 in the winter of 2020. So I didn't, didn't duck hunt that year. Um, I didn't duck hunt the following. I was refing wrestling. So I've I've been kind of booking myself up during the winters. Um, I'd like to get back into it when I got a little bit more time. Maybe my kids grow up a little bit more. But yeah, I maybe go on like one or two duck hunts every winter now. Essentially,
0: and that Willows is it's up uh, by Sacramento.
2: Willows is like. I want to say Willows is like forty-five minutes to an hour north of Sac. It's, it's right off, right off of Five. Oh, okay. So yeah, my blind was right across from the Sac uh, Refuge. Kay. Yeah, you know,
1: you know, it's so, Uncle, I'm sorry, no, go ahead. you know, it's so funny when you bring up the good old days, and you're up in that area. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. if I was too young to hunt, or too, yeah, I was too young to hunt, but my dad would take my brothers, and that's when you could do pheasant hunting up in the fields out there. You could do hunting in the cotton fields and all these other fields,
2: and and
1: it was just abundance of of of, of pheasant but those days are mm-hmm. gone just gone
2: those days are gone and they'll never come back it's never, sad never in in that place it's, it's sad that that's that's probably one of the saddest stories in in the state to be honest is the pheasants yeah. um really bad yeah cuz they were
1: plentiful brother i mean plentiful i mean I'm, like i said in other podcasts i'm 57 years old but i was just a kid and my dad my uncle my brothers Drive up my dad's whole little '66 Chevy van, no air conditioning, nothing. That straight six. (laughs) Put the heater in that that van while you drive it up. But I tell you what, the pheasant hunting was incredible, brother. Just Mm -hmm. like you said, it was. It is sad that they just decimated and didn't do anything to conserve that 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 bird up there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think is it modern farming practices too that that kind of screws the population of them. Cause what they'll, they'll nest out in like the, the fields and then, uh, what rice go, I mean, tractors go and yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know. seems like, seems like that's part of the problem, which sucks because I mean, obviously we need farming, right? Yeah, it's absolutely.
0: just,
2: um, I wish they both could coincide together a little better, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's really unfortunate. And then I feel like there's plenty of land that they, they could be, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, don't know what, I don't know what the solution is there. It yeah. sucks.
1: You know, I think also uh, they tore down a lot of the trees because a lot of, from my understanding, that pheasant, mm. pheasant like the rooster, you know. Oh, except, like turkeys. Yeah, and the and the females, they're the ones that are on the ground for the most part because that's where they also lay their eggs. But you take down Yeah, they're the, probably
2: only on the ground when they got eggs, just yeah, like turkeys. I'm ex-
1: exactly. And so if they start removing the trees where the where the pheasant rooster – well, then you're not going to have any pheasant to rooster. They're
2: mm-hmm. gone. The males, are yeah, gone. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. There's a little area um, kind of considered Orville, I guess, called Honcut, and there's still a okay population of pheasant out there. I mean, really, it's perfect for them. But um, even even since I was in high school to now, I don't see near the amount of pheasant. I mean, I maybe see one driving out there now, but when I was in high school, it was like,
0: oh, I'm going to see at least
2: at least a dozen of these things yeah. driving through Honka, you know, yeah. but yeah, super unfortunate, huh?
0: Yeah, it is. So you, what, you go to college, you're a wrestler in college, North Dakota, you said, right? North Dakota. Can you say that one more time? You were in North Dakota. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. So after college, what, I mean, going into your senior year, you're getting done. What made you say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing MMA. I'm going to go beat some ass.
2: You know, I kind of knew before I graduated that would be the plan for me. Like I, I feel like I kind of developed that plan when I was at Sac City for those two years because I had trained at Alf Mill and I had also I was also fighting amateur oh. between wrestling seasons. So I fought amateur between every wrestling season. so I had nine amateur fights before I even graduated college. Oh So it kind of just seemed like the natural pathway for me. Um, I mean, I was nine and zero as an amateur. I felt like I felt like I could have success early, um, and I was almost delusional in a sense. But it's like a it's a good delusion to have. So I mean, when I graduated college, I was like, okay, my goal is to get in UFC within two years. You know, within two years from there, be UFC champ, be making all this money, et cetera, et cetera. Um semi delusional uh in terms of like getting to the UFC that fast. Like two years is like no time at all. Like holy crap, that it's doable but it's tough. But it's actually a good delusion to have. Like I, I tell people all the time that Uriah Faber is like he's like a guy who's super delusional in some ways, but um a lot of his uh air quote delusions actually come true, you know? Like if you buy into some delusions that you have, they can actually um work out in your favor you know so um someone who who isn't like doesn't overthink or whatever like sometimes we'll have guys at the gym like super tough kids and they're like oh i'm being the ufc next year and you're thinking yeah i don't think so kid but you you could i don't think it's gonna happen that fast but sometimes it can because these these guys they, they it's almost like they uh they, they psyched themselves into into their own delusion, you know? They don't even know that they're delusional at the time, right? So um, that's kind of what I thought would happen, and it almost did, right? I mean, I, I got on The Ultimate Fighter, I think, within two and a half years of being a pro, and I kind of got my opportunity. I end up losing the semis, and I got a fight on the finale. I had a fight that was way too close with Bryce Mitchell. I end up uh, losing that decision, and then then I got cut, and I was back to square one, and I'm getting ready to get married, and it's like, okay, what the heck, you know? I'm like, I'm still broke doing this fighting thing, um, but I was still young, and I was like, I'm going to make another run, essentially. So I knocked out, like, two two fights against two tough guys, and then then I get signed to the PFL, but then COVID happens. So, dude, the, the last three years have been super weird for me. I mean, COVID was weird for everyone who fought for PFL because we all had to take 2020 off. Then, you know then I fought twice in 21 2021 and then going into the 2022 season they they like randomly cut me out of nowhere I had no indication that was going to happen in fact um I don't really know what transpired communication wise like as to why that was the case I still don't know um and then in 2023 essentially I kind of got my job back but it was like a short notice opportunity they just kind of I mean, Ray Sefo called me and was like, hey, man, we might have you fight. Just, you know, stay prepared type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I kind of, like, mended that relationship between them and I. And then, yeah, and then I got a short notice opportunity against literally one of the best fighters in the world, uh, some some guy from Russia. Yeah. And uh, I ended up separating my shoulder six days for the fight, but I had invested literally, like, six months of training and money into this camp. So there was, like, no way I was going to pull out, like, unless I physically couldn't walk or Whatever I wasn't gonna pull out, so I still fought and I still believed I could have won. To be you, you honest, you fought. But
0: you fought that. I I saw it. that fight. You you fought that yeah. fight with a separated shoulder.
2: Yeah, I separated my AC joint six days before the fight, I could I could barely throw a punch to my left arm. I I went and got a cortisone shot, but it didn't help at all. Um, so yeah that that like really sucked. And then I haven't gotten submitted an arm triangle in probably three or four years. Like no joke, you know. And he submitted me in an arm triangle on my left side with my left arm because I, I didn't have any mobility. So yeah. as soon as he locked it up, even though it wasn't even that great when he first locked it up, I couldn't swim my arm because I had no <clears> – <throat> the, the mobility was gone, right? But nonetheless, he beat me, and he's hella good, uh, you know? And uh, But that sucked kind of like – not having fought in two years and then I get an opportunity and then that happens. It's just like a really weird freak thing. So now where I'm at in my career is I'm kind of in the same spot of like, okay, is PFL going to bring me back next year or am I done? Because, you know, I mean, you've got all these guys who they'll go back and they'll fight at a casino and that's fine and dandy. But me at this stage, of my career, of my life being 32 years old, having done what I've done, experienced what I've experienced, I'm not going to go back and fight for $2,000 at a casino. Like, That just doesn't sit right with me. Like every time you fight, you step into the cage, you're sacrificing your brain, you know, and I'm not sacrificing my brain and put my family on the back burner for $2,000 at a casino fight. Like, and sure, I could do that and then maybe get signed to the UFC. But like, I really don't care. Like, I don't care about that at all. Like, you know, so uh, for me, it's like, dude, if TFL brings me back, um, cool. But if not, then it is what it is. I got to move on with my life. I have a lot of really good things going. Um, And PFL pays me super well. So um, like I said, I mean, that's, that's part of it is, is that I'm not going to fight for pennies. I'm going to fight for what I'm worth. And you know, I know what my value is. Well, It seems like everybody's paying now better than UFC. Uh, PFL certainly is. I don't know about Bellator. I mean, Bellator is weird, but Bellator, I guess, I think PFL is buying them. I don't know. I'm really not in the know on all this stuff. People people, because I fight, people will ask me questions as if I know, and I'm like, dude, honestly, you probably know more than me. I really don't know.
0: Have you thought about bare knuckle?
2: Uh, if the money was right, I would do it. Yeah, I mean, I think those guys are crazy. I think <laughs> doing bare knuckle is literally crazy, but at the end of the day, it's just a fight. It's just a street fight. I've been in plenty of those, too, and I get to be, I get to get paid for it. So,
0: right.
2: yeah, dude, if they, if they want to pay me a bunch of money, I certainly would, but Honestly, man, not to discredit myself, but just being realistic, I'm coming. Just being realistic, I'm coming off two losses. Yeah, they're they're world class guys, but it's is two losses. You know, like, uh, so I don't know if I don't know if they would have any interest in bringing me on or paying me. But um, if the PFL ship sailed, I I wouldn't mind reaching out to them and seeing what they had to say. Certainly.
0: So I get what you're saying right now, but how long do you wait? before you figure out PFL the sales you know gone you know like you just said before you reach Dude, out to bare knuckle why wouldn't you just reach yeah, out to being, bare knuckle now
2: i i certainly could right um i guess the only thing kind of keep you from doing that is i have a broken hand right now so i'm not like <laughs> right uh right. i'm not in any hurry like when you reach out to these people you kind of got to be ready cuz oh. you know if you reach out to them and they go yeah we'll bring you on you go okay but i need i'm going to need 6 months cuz you know, my left knee is messed up or my hands messed up or whatever. They're like, Oh, what? Oh, whatever. Then we, there's people that are healthy, you know? Right. So when my hands healed up and, uh, I'm back to moving and grooving and training again, I, I'd, I'd love to, to reach out because you never know. I might reach out and they, we might strike a deal and they might be like, Hey, you're, you know, four weeks got an opportunity for you. You can't be turning down an opportunity, especially the first opportunity they give you. So, um, I need to be moving and grooving and, and ready. Essentially,
0: go out there and fight old Platinum Perry. <laughs> I
2: mean, he's he's a lot bigger than me. I don't think it ever happened, but I I would for oh, the money. I don't
0: oh, care. oh, he's a lot bigger. How? What does he weigh?
2: I mean, Mike Perry's like a one seventy pounder. And I think oh. he fought Luke Rockhold at one eighty five. Oh, I, I can't that. hit one eighty five even if I was chubby. To be honest, <laughs> I'm pretty pretty small. Oh, so man. I'm I'm five seven, and like seventy five pounds right now. Um, maybe 175, I'm probably like in the high sixties. I really don't know. I don't weigh myself very often, but yeah, I'm a 45 or that, that's a, that's a good weight for me.
0: And you, do you, do you, uh, well, obviously right now you broke your hand, but are you still like training or are you going to the gym daily or are you doing all that stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably training like twice a week.
2: Uh, and I'm, I've, I'm a super, I live a super active lifestyle, you know, like, uh, being like just chilling, watch TV on the couch is like very foreign to me. I don't even know what that's like. You know, it's like it sounds weird to even say that. Uh, like I don't, I don't get it. So I'm just I live a super active, busy lifestyle, and I train here and there. Uh, you know, but um, I'm the type of guy like so. How my life's set up right now is I live in paradise. So for me to train, I have to train I have to travel, you know, thirty to forty five minutes in whatever direction to be able to train, right? So I need other people that are actually dedicated to even get training sessions up here. So like when I fought in June, I basically got an inclination that at the end of twenty twenty two that hey, you might be fighting next year. So basically at the new year, I started driving to SAC like two to three times a week. And then when I kind of got confirmation in like February and March that hey you might be fighting in June or July or whatever, I started driving down five days a week, oh. and I was training I was training two to three times a day down there at, at, so,
0: at team Alpha Mill.
2: Yeah, so you know, like right now my life is like, hey, you know, you, you need to put the eggs in the basket that that is paying off for you right now, and right now it's my businesses. Like fighting, there's nothing going on fighting wise. So, um it's not like I'm just a couch potato and getting fat and and losing it. You know, I'm still living an active lifestyle. I, I could, I could realistically jump in the gym right now and go train two hours and hang with the best in the world. It's just, it's a mentality thing for me. I'm, and I, I naturally have great cardio. I always have. Like being a mountain kid, you, you just, you have that. You know, so, um, I could, I could realistically get ready for a fight in less than four weeks because I'm just always in shape. I'm I, I live a healthy lifestyle, you know? So when you live a healthy lifestyle, you don't have to get ready. You're just, you're kind of in a state of always being ready. Essentially.
1: That's, that's, that's amazing. Amazing. It's one of the things that in law enforcement, that was one of the things that always was said. And one of the things I always taught in law enforcement, if you're always ready, you don't have to be ready. You're already ready to go. You don't have to worry about it. Yep. Because when you have 100%. to get yeah, when you have to get ready, it's already too late. Yep. You yeah, it's too late. yeah, too late. Yeah, way too late. Hey, I got a question for you. You know, you're this MMA fighter. You're a professional and everything else. And I, what keeps you from knocking the hell out of somebody <laughs> that's disrespecting you or whatever else if you're out in public or something like that? Because you know,
2: you, dude, honestly, I I haven't experienced too much of that. Um, no, that's cool. Like at all. Like no, people cool. are. People are pretty cool, especially like I moved up to Paradise. Everyone's hella cool up here. Like we have no homeless people. Um, I was down to Orville recently because my business is down there, so I'm down there quite a bit. And some dude walked out of Dollar General with a handful of stuff, and I couldn't just watch that. So I did beat the fuck out of him and <laughs> take that stuff back to Dollar General. But other than that, man, like people are pretty respectful.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Because I always wondered. I always wonder that when I and Chad and I are over at the watering hole you know, or something like that. You know, you got these dudes that are running their mouth but yet you know sometimes you and and me chad and i don't have the training like you do you know and the fact is how do you just you know stay calm i mean i know i stay calm but you know right off the bat with you you could pummel the guy you know me oh for sure and
2: i and i know that and i know that so i don't care i don't like have an ego where i have to prove myself in fact i mean I Probably the last time something like this even occurred was probably five or six years ago, and I literally told the guy, hey, you'd probably beat me up, so don't worry about it, and just walked away because, (laughs) like, and I know there's no way he beat me up. I would literally kill the guy if I wanted to, but, like, I just don't care. I don't have an ego, you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, dude, you can think what you want. Like, at the end of the day, I could fucking kill you, and be the easiest thing I've ever done. I wouldn't give a shit, but I'm not going to. It's now, just you, not worth it.
1: Do you think other MMA fighters have that same mentality as you? Because I think that's pretty cool.
2: I think a lot do, dude, but dude, there's a lot of, like, fighters that are fucked up in the head and just kind of unhinged, and they would probably love the opportunity just to fuck some normal person up, you know? All right. Okay. I mean, we're in the gym. We're in the gym every day training with people who actually know how, how to fight, and it's hard. And then when you fight somebody who doesn't train every day, it's, like, the easiest thing on the planet, you know? Like, um it's so easy it's it's really fun to be honest but uh yeah i'm i'm sure there's a couple out there that would totally Take um, down. love yeah
0: tap out fucker yes. tap
2: out <laughs> yeah yeah but for the most part i feel like anybody who actually knows what they're doing experience like they got the same mindset as me in fact i think it was like a week ago i just saw a video this was a few years ago at Ryan Hall he's a he's my weight class in the ufc mainly just a complete jiu-jitsu guy but some drunk guy was like hooting and hollering and some pizza joint and he literally just took the guy down and just like held him in place till like the police got there just made it look extremely easy and i feel like that's how most fighters would be you yeah know? you know
1: because you know what i mean you know there's those jerks and everything else and you and you and chad mendez aren't that tall and you know and you got people who want to pick on the little guy you know
0: <laughs> yeah correct. yeah you
2: know what but in my experience though i think everyone wants to pick on the big guy because like uh i've got a friend who's he's giant i mean he's like He's probably 6'3", 280, just a really, really big guy, and I, I haven't gone out with him very much, but every time we do, someone's always trying to uh, like pick on him, and yeah. I'm always like, dude, what is it? He's like, I told you. I told you every time, and uh, I'm like, wow, you would think they'd want to pick on the little guy, but I don't know. That's my experience. That's my personal experience. Yeah. doesn't mean it's… It's exactly what happens all the time, but yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre.
0: That's why I like to go out with Dwight all the time because oh, no. this guy's freaking no, six, no. no, no, six five chiseled up. Oh my chiseled up. Hell yeah! I'm fifty seven years <laughs> old. I'm a freaking old man, hey, you <laughs> know. We go out there like I'm picking that motherfucker <laughs> to go off. Like, that's right, go after him. Hey,
2: I, hey, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Absolutely,
0: brother. So, uh, uh, there uh, you go. <laughs> Woo, that's so crazy, right there. <laughs> hey, so Tyler, did you uh? I remember back in, the, not I don't know, a year or two, ago you were, you were uh, studying to be real estate, sell real estate, right?
2: Yeah. So, dude, that's what I mean. Like, so many people don't even know what's going on in my life because I have so much different shit going on. So, yeah, I, I did all my, t- my tests. Like, I, I'm a licensed real estate agent, nice. but I never went into that because simultaneously at the same time, um, I started a meal prep company. So I kind of just went the direction that life took me. Uh, the, the meal prep company ended up being super successful right off the bat. So I just went with, the, went in that direction. So I could still step into real estate anytime I've kept my, my license active or if I wanted to do that as of right now, I don't want to. Um, but yeah, I I started my meal prep company. I recently within the last two years started a beef company just selling holes and halves and that, that's like really up and down. Like What's the name of the beef company? Uh, diamond cut beef, Oh, just super simple. It's like, it's just a, it's just like a passion project. It's not something that where, you know, my business partner and I feel like, oh, we have to make this work, you know, our, our livelihoods depend on it. Like, no, he's got his full-time gig. I got my gig. It's just a passion project, but, um, it's, it's taken off like extremely well, like way better than we thought. But, you know, I think a lot of people want to know where their food comes from, uh, you know, especially with like the whole like bioengineered meat talk going on. Like I think people are a little freaked out and ever since COVID, I think a lot of people have woken up and just to a lot of the lies that we were all fed growing up, uh, which is just, it's just crazy, you know? So like I said, I think people just want a more locally sourced, um, option for food and beef and, uh, and me and, Me and my business partner are giving people
1: that. You know know what's so crazy? I was just on the phone with a good friend of mine. He's like one of my best friends, John Traney. And he was just telling me how he just bought a half a cow and split it and everything else. And he said the same exact thing, that he wanted to know where his beef was coming from. And the fact is is that because all that manufactured stuff that they're putting out there, this fake meat, this fake beef and everything else, People don't want to be a part of that. People want to know. So, yeah, dude, you, you, you're you stepping into a niche. And you know another thing, bro? I'm getting ready to retire. And I told my wife I want to raise a few beef cattle just for the heck of it, just to do something, be busy or whatever else. So, I might mm-hmm. reach out to you to help teach me when I have a few beef, a few head of beef just to raise and, and sell and everything else. So, yeah. So, I'm glad. I, yeah. I'm glad I love this podcast. I'm getting to know more and more people of connections that I can have.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it really is great. I'm happy you guys are doing that. I'm sure you guys talk to some awesome people and, and learn all kinds of things. Just like I've, just like even in your intro alone, I learned some stuff, you know? So, that's cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hey, so when you were. Okay. You're doing your real estate. What did you already have the vision that you were going to do the beef or the meal prep first?
2: No, I didn't. It just organically happened. Like, um, I mean, you know, you got to make things happen in life for them to happen. Right. But the, the meal prep thing completely came out of left field. That was not, I, I never have had a dream or a vision of working in the food service industry whatsoever. Just you know, with me fighting, obviously, I have to eat clean, I have to eat healthy, and my wife was doing bikini conferences at the time, so she had to as well, and then even in addition to that, we were broke. Like, we had no money, so meal prepping for ourselves, like, on the weekend for the whole week was the most cost-efficient thing for someone to do that has no money, and, uh, you know, I mean, we, we're both pretty, pretty decent in the kitchen, or we're decent at the time, we're great now, and we would make really good looking meals that tasted great and every once in a while we like put it on our Instagram like back when I used Instagram every day right and I thought it was so funny because people would hit me up like wow where do you get get those I'd love to buy them etc just the light bulb kind of went off on my in my head I was like dang I was like "Kiara, you know like right now we're cooking 50 meals a week you know you know 10 for you 10 for me and 30 for Family members that are buying them from for from us just because they feel bad and they want us to make you know a couple hundred bucks a weekend, but um we could like really blow this up. And she like wasn't really interested. She's like, "No, nah, I I don't see how that could ever be profitable or whatever." And I was like, "No, nah, I I see the vision. Just don't worry. Just step out of the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna handle this." So I, you know, being a fighter, you have a lot of free time. You don't have any money, but you have a lot of free time, and so. I would train and I would do all this homework and research on, like, okay, what can I do to make a successful meal prep company? And the thing that I realized the quickest was the, the biggest hurdle or barrier to entry was finding uh, a kitchen, like finding a commercial space that was, you know, county inspected, et cetera. And that was, that was hard to find at first, but then I just made a Facebook post saying, hey, does anybody know – of a commissary kitchen available for rent, whatever. And a really old friend, like a friend of a friend hit me up and was like, Hey, you know, I own a restaurant where we're only open Mondays, Friday, we're closed on weekends. You said that you need some on weekend, like come check it out. Maybe we, maybe we can work something out. And I went there and the kitchen was set up perfect for us. Like it was almost like it was built more for my business than it was his in a sense. I almost felt like, and, uh, we've been there ever since. That was October of 2019. I mean, we're almost through 2023 and we, we're still in that kitchen. Oh. It's been a really great partnership, you know, because during COVID, a lot of restaurants shut down, right? Mm-hmm. Well, during, during COVID, our business model was strong. I don't think COVID helped us necessarily, but we we have a clientele that, that orders consistently from us. And so we're consistent. So, you know, during COVID, when they were having a rough time, uh, we were doing good and we paid, we pay them a, a good amount in rent, you know? So it's just been a really good working partnership. I mean, you know, they, they do well on their own, but with, with us as supplemental income for rent for them, like it's just been really great. And, um, the family that owns that kitchen, they're, they're great people. Everyone that works there is awesome. And we just, uh, although we, they are their own separate entity and I'm my own separate entity, we're in, we're in one building, we share the space and we get along great. Everything works out.
0: So good, good thing for you that you had, uh, or good for good thing for them that you had that going to keep them going or they might've, you think they would have lost their business?
2: They, they, they pot. I, I really think they may have. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, with the COVID restrictions, like not not having any income for six to eight months or whatever it was. And then even after opening up and, um, things being really slow. Like, uh, yeah, I definitely think they, the potential of losing that kitchen was there. Um, I even, me and my wife even worked there for a summer. I worked there for free. She was on payroll for minimum wage, you know, which is fine because it's a small family, family owned business. Right. But, uh, I was there every day just trying to help get them back up off the ground during COVID because, um, obviously they're my friends and I care about them and I want the restaurants fried, but, I also wanted that space for my meal prep company too as well. Right. So, uh, it was kind of like, Hey, I, you know, we need, we need to help, help out right now and, and get this thing going.
0: Is that place in paradise?
2: No, it's in Orville. So me being from Orville, uh, I have a huge clientele out of Orville. Um, it works out super well being there. Um, as far as getting my own kitchen, like that's, that's definitely a possibility. It will happen at some point, but, you know, my business model and how we operate, I have to be super picky and super selective with whatever kitchen we get into. And I haven't found anything that perfectly fits our needs at this time. So until then, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it works out for both of us and it's fine. It's not like it's a situation you get out of or anything. It's a great situation. So, um, you know, when that day comes, I'll, I'll get our own spot, you know, when we need to scale up or whatever. But until then, I mean, we're, we're doing We're
1: doing great. Hey, you know what's so crazy is that uh, maybe you listened to our podcast with Johnny Utah. You and Johnny Utah uh, had the same experience. Johnny Utah only had seven bucks in his pocket in his checking account, and he went back to what he knew. Like you said, you were broke, and you went back to what you knew. You cooked pretty damn good. You and your wife cooked pretty damn good, and you guys made it happen to make a livelihood out of it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, dude, we would make like 150 bucks a weekend, and I was pumped. And like looking back now, it's so comical to me, you know. Yeah, right, right. But right. when you're when you're dead broke, like making 150 bucks <laughs> a week, you're like, oh my god, this is great, you know. Yeah. I can pay for gas, and I can pay like for a little bit of stuff now, you know, whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, that was cool, and that just organically happened, like I said. So
0: how many meals? A, how many meals a week do you make now? Uh, we're averaging about six hundred. So we <laughs> oh,
2: but we only operate in one day. You make six hundred in one day. Yes, we we do six hundred meals between the the hours of six thirty a.m. to about two p.m. Wow! Fully cooked and assembled. So I have I have uh seven employees wow. that are all badass as hell. And uh, we just have a really good system. I mean, I have an employee that goes and does the shopping early Saturday morning, meets at the kitchen with, you know, four other employees, and they prep. It usually takes them four to six hours to basically get everything cut, get soufflés filled, get all the containers labeled and sorted, et cetera, et cetera. And then on Sunday, um, I got a couple guys that show up at 530 and start on the meet, and then the rest of the crew shows up at 630 or 7 a.m., and they cook for a couple hours and once everything's cooked and cooled in the walk-in um they all start assembling and yeah dude they're they're all badass as hell
1: That's cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So every
0: yeah. every week uh it's just one so like it do you have a menu or is it this is what you just announce it this is what we got this week and that's it. Well,
2: so when you think about it we have like we have like 250 menu items and it sounds like a lot but it's not because like You know, you compare chicken breast with green beans and sweet potato. You can pair lemon chicken breast with Brussels sprouts and sweet potato. Like, there's all those three-item combinations you can do. But then we have a bunch of specialty meals that are ultra-popular. Like, we do, like, a a pesto salmon pasta that people really like. And we do, like, another meal called the Texas Verde where it's just jasmine rice, ground beef, black beans, corn, jalapeno, cilantro, lime, green salsa, like – you know, there's, there's like all these meal, different meals that we do. So we kind of have like a rotating menu. We've never done the same menu twice though, ever. So every week it changes. Like for example, the Texas fair day is back for this Sunday. The last time we did that was two weeks ago. While there's another meal on the menu, we haven't done in like six weeks. So, you know, the reason for doing it like that, rather than offering the same meals every week is like, you know, I'm a fat kid at heart. I love pizza, but if I ate pizza every single day, I would hate pizza, you know? right? And it's kind of the same concept with our meals is that people love our meals, but would they really like them if they got in the habit of ordering the same things and eating the same things all the time? Like we're not dogs, we're human beings, right? right. Like we like flavor, like and variety yeah. and, uh, you know, we have the flavor and we have the variety. So why not do that? Right. So, some people every once in a while I every once a while I get like a customer. It's like I wish you'd offer you know the same meals every week, but I kind of explain that to them. They're like, yeah, you know what, you're you know you're right actually. So like yeah, I mean, uh, it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And there's a lot of unique things that we do uh that that customers really like and enjoy, and the rotate rotating menu um is one of them, and it seems to work out super well. That's good.
0: When, when are you going to start shipping?
2: Okay, I, so, I, I always ask you. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, you do. I think you've asked me like three or four times. So, um, again, I, I thought we after like year two, we'd be shipping. Um, not having our own kitchen. So this is one of the cons of not having your own kitchen. Not having your own kitchen, you can't have like your own cryovac machine. And it's just like logistically, there's a lot of hurdles that we have to jump to get even to get to that point. So I feel like having our own kitchen is is something we have to do before we can even start shipping. Mm. And then uh, number two is we need to capture the whole market of Butte County before we even think about scaling up. So uh, because we don't have our own location and we're all online, okay, all of our sales are online. We don't have a storefront. A lot of people still don't know about us. So we haven't even... I feel like we haven't even kept, captured 5% of the market of Butte County. And we're doing super well. Imagine if we captured the whole market in terms of if everybody knew about Diamond Dash. If everybody knew about Diamond Dash, we'd probably have to have two or three cook days a week. We'd have our own kitchen. I'd have full-time employees. And then from there, I could think about scaling up and shipping. But it's like it's like uh, I don't I don't want to learn. I don't want to run before I know how to walk in terms of like, scaling up too fast or doing things I shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be doing step eight before I do step three or whatever, et cetera. Right. So really I'm just trying to capture the market, the whole market of Butte County. I'm trying to get my own location and then I'm going to think about scaling up to shipping. Um, and even that there's other challenges that are presented there too. Like, okay, well then I got to change my container. I got to buy a cryo back machine. I got to figure out a new labeling situation. Like there's, there's all kinds of things that are really tough to figure out, especially when, you know, you're a dad of two young kids, a husband, and you're trying to find time to hunt and you're training, uh, for fights. And it's just like, it's a lot to freaking manage, you know, but the reason why I set up the meal prep company, how I did as far as only working on Saturday, Sundays originally was so that I could train full time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's still how it is now, which is great. I wouldn't change it, but yeah, but basically before we start shipping, there's uh, a couple hurdles we got to, uh, Couple logistical things we gotta figure out. That's
0: seems Sounds good. That's for sure. It's called. So your your meal your meal prep uh, is called Diamond Dash.
2: Yes, Diamond Dash meal prep service. Yep.
0: So you do Diamond Dash and you do Diamond Meat, Diamond Beef Company. That's that's Diamond the other company? Cut. Oh, Diamond, Diamond Cut. Cut. Diamond I, Cut I, meat. Yep. Diamond and that was gonna start off
2: as a jerky company. We were gonna do jerky at first, but um. Again, there's a lot more logistical stuff to figure out in jerky than it is just selling halves and holes. So I kind of told my business partner, like, "Hey, let's just sell halves and holes, get that down. Maybe start selling, uh, maybe start running some beef through USDA, selling some select cuts, and then get into the jerky venture when we've had it, when we have an established name. Because you know, meat and beef is something that we all need and enjoy." but jerky is like supplementary jerky is like a smoothie or whatever. Right. Like you might buy it here and there, but like you don't depend on it. So I was just kind of, we, we kind of came to the conclusion of like, Hey, maybe that's supplemental to the beef. And maybe we should focus on that second rather than first.
1: Hmm. It's working for you, brother. (laughs) It is. It it is. is, It's all,
0: it's all working out. And is that, uh, the diamond cut? Is it, do you guys sell a lot of beef?
2: Yeah, so I'm, we've done, we've probably done 16 or 17 steers this year, which is down a little bit. We did like 25 last year. Um, honestly, we're barely keeping up. Like, we only have a couple more that we can do this year because, see, everything is born and raised on the ranch, uh, on our main ranch in Orville. So, um, you know, when we get to the point of like, oh, we're out of steers, we have to literally wait till we have more. To replace, you know, so um, they got to be a certain weight, they got to be a certain age before we can even think about killing them. So we got about four to six left for the year, and then after that, we're gonna have probably have a two month little gap until uh, until we have others that are are basically big enough to even think about killing.
0: Do you buy cows from other places and have them shipped to your place, and then no, that,
2: oh. no, no. So. So, how the beef company works is my business partner who's involved with it. He has he has a crap ton of cows. I wish I could even tell you. I'm I honestly was guessing. I mean, I'd say he has three hundred, four hundred, maybe like sure. a ton. And you've got he's got a few different lease properties. Essentially, all of our all of Diamond Beef cows come from Gomez Cattle Company. It's like a you know. So what what Diamond Cut does is we we buy the steers from them, which are all located on the same property, and then and then it runs through Diamond Cut. So, kind of a kind of tough to explain, but essentially it's the same herd.
0: So I, I I'm following along pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. A lot. Well, a lot of people don't. I try to explain it to a lot of people. They're like, Yeah, I don't get it. And I'm like, Yeah, it's it's hard. It's you hard have, for me you, to
0: ever, you. So you know, like you have a cow, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna slaughter this cow. Do you ever use that cow for your diamond dash deals?
2: No, no, because I don't want to. I don't want to start muddying the waters between the two businesses, and I just keep them completely separate. Uh, and I, we don't, we don't have enough beef to supply the meal prep company. I mean, mm. that's how much volume we're doing with the meal prep company is we wouldn't be able to keep up. Mm. So, um, eventually, I would love to. I would honestly love to do that. I would love to have more locally sourced uh, ingredients for the meal prep company because I do think that is important to people. But, yeah, as of right now, we're just getting our ground beef through uh, U.S. Chefs, which, um, which is good quality ground beef. I know it's USA beef. I've, I've inquired about it. But that is the crazy thing that a lot of people don't know about is that like a lot of ground beef in stores especially Walmart it's uh it's not USA beef it's from New Zealand or Brazil which is fucking crazy to think but wow essentially essentially yeah there's some you guys should look it up after this podcast just to make sure I'm not blowing smoke up your ass it's going to sound so crazy but <laughs> there's something called the country of origin law it applies to uh applies to chicken fish Fruits, vegetables is essentially what the country of origin law does. Is state it is those that those foods need to state where they came from. So that's why when you look at bananas, it has a sticker and says Ecuador or whatever the fuck, right? right? So, but that doesn't apply to beef. Country of origin law does not apply to beef. So you might oh. see beef where it says product of the USA, but to be able to put product of the USA, all it has to do is be packaged here. Yeah. It doesn't need to actually be raised here. So there's a lot of other countries where um, they don't meet their, their beef demand. So essentially to keep those farmer those beef farmers from going under, they export to the United States. And we have such a large beef demand here that uh, we import a ton from, like I said, Brazil. I, I believe Brazil is our number one import, uh, export of beef, uh, who we import from, sorry. And then New Zealand is too, and then i don't know who three and four is but yeah it's pretty wild it's pretty wild to think that um a lot of beef is getting passed off as usa beef but it's not huh. from freaking brazil you know oh,
0: wow that's crazy that. that's wow. crazy so the beef you have is straight up here
2: yeah it's it's right there off gold digger lane in norville you know so um that's something we're excited to do too is start doing like ranch tours because my buddy's place is pretty baller it's pretty nice he's I mean, he he bought bought it in a really good deal. It's just, you know, a house on a piece of property and over the years he's worked really, really, really freaking hard and put a lot into that place. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um I mean it's got a great view of the whole town. It's it's really it's really awesome. So doing ranch tours will be something that will be really exciting in the future. But like I said, it's just a passion project for us, you know, like mm-hmm. We just get to bounce ideas off one another like, hey, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And it's it's just a lot of fun. There's no pressure to make money with that business, you know.
0: Hey, do anybody ever ask you to make uh, venison diamond dash meals?
2: <laughs> yeah, they do. And I, I tell them that I can't.
0: <laughs> oh, because oh, you're not allowed to. That's sure. right.
2: Yeah, you're not you're not allowed to legally. Yeah, mm-hmm. nor do I kill enough animals. To be honest, I wish I did. <laughs> well, maybe one I day I wish bro- I did,
1: brother. Maybe one day you get as big as Harris Ranch.
2: Hey, I, I would love to. That'd be great. That would be great. Um, you know, who knows? Absolutely. Who knows what the future holds? For Absolutely. Me? Uh, I mean, how my life has been there. It's been a, It's been full of a lot of unexpected turns and you know, I don't know what the hell's around the bend. You know, I might be doing something completely different in five years. I really don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, at least you're, uh, you're doing it, baby. Yeah, you're doing yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: i pumped up. No, a, hey, things don't just happen to you. You know, you got to make it happen. So yeah, I'm out here trying to make things happen. That's for sure.
0: Yep. Yep. What's Brandon up to? My brother? <laughs>
2: yeah. We haven't uh, talked dude, about, about so him all day. Funny. Oh yeah. Oh man. He's dude. He's a crack up. He, uh, What's he doing right now, man? He's probably just at home working, doing some sort of work. But you know, my brother talking about Gavin Newsom, who's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom in the California state legislator, they they slashed the budget for. Uh, so, from my understanding, they completely slashed the budget in the state for what what was called the work train work training centers, which gives disabled uh, adults a place to go work and. Dude, they, get, they don't get paid nothing. Like, they get right. paid like like a slave almost. But yeah. I don't want to use the word slave because it's actually a really great thing. Because although my brother didn't get paid that much, they picked him up, they took him to work, he made a paycheck, he would go home, and it was great. Well, when that budget got slashed, um, you got all these guys who are now at home and don't have jobs. And my brother's one of them. So my brother used to have a full-time job, you know, where he, he'd get paid like 100 bucks every two weeks. But he was proud of that money he made. He felt fulfilled because he was in a wood shop, and they would basically make pallets for, like, wine companies and stuff like that. And uh, when, when Newsom and the legislator did their new budget, um, they, they cut the budget for that so drastically that, um, like, 98% of those adults uh, lost their job. So now instead of having these special needs going out, going to their job and feeling fulfilled – they're just uh, they're at home you know, doing what? nothing yeah. because I mean I mean some of them aren't employed they're just they're not employable to a lot of businesses yeah, right and yeah. My brother is but transportation's an issue because of where we my mom lives out in the sticks so my brother actually works at my meal prep company on weekends nice and he does really well so he's making more money there uh, working less but um, you know still got still got five days a week so. My mom uh, gives them a pretty extensive chore list to do around there.
1: Yeah, you know it's, uh, that's sad. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. And, you know, my, I have a brother that that my parents adopted when I was like two. It's about to break my heart. <clears throat> when I was about four years old or five, I can't remember because my dad was a special ed teacher, and my and he and John was in my dad's class, and my dad fell in love with him, and he's been with us for fifty three years. And he used to do the same wow. thing, brother. He would go out to Latterman State Hospital and work out there. One of my dad's best friends still worked out there and would pick him up and take him out there. And he would get that same little check. And even at the academy, the sheriff's department at the academy, they had these same guys out there doing all the the work inside the, 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 the offices, cleaning the offices, cutting the, the landscape, everything. And to hear that, that just breaks my heart because I tell you what, they are, they have the biggest hearts and they are one hell of a freaking workers, I tell you. Oh, They're, yeah. yeah
0: and, no, absolutely.
1: You know
2: what, and I tell For you. For most that, of it, it's just transportation that's the issue. That's the problem, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and you know what, and the fact is all that money they give away to other different things, and these are guys and girls that really want to be a part of society and want to do something within society and have some some self-pride and just getting up and going to work every day and enjoying themselves, you know, that, that, that just really, really breaks my heart. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, it is terrible. It is terrible, but yeah, don't even get me started about wasting money, sending to Ukraine and all that. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. We could,
1: we could definitely talk a whole bunch, but you know what, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, they they have these commercials and everything about being inclusive and everything else. And, These people, you know, they're just normal people just like everybody else. But, you know, then why would you cut it? Why would you cut something like that? You know, they... No. Come on. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I can go on. And it just, it just you know, that fucker's
0: not cutting his wine business. No.
1: No.
0: <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Oh, shit, yeah, shit. Sorry
1: for your brother, but you know what, though? It's awesome that he has a great brother like you to kind of keep him busy and have him come working in your, in the kitchen with you. Cause you know, he has some, he better, he, he, he probably has better self worth than sitting on the couch doing nothing anyway.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No. Hey, things work out. Um, things in life happen that you can't control, and you yeah. just gotta. You can control what You can control, you know. Well, so yeah. he's, you
0: tell him we said hi and what's up, it. and I hope that. Uh, are you taking him out hunting this year? Uh, so
2: I actually drew a Colorado tag the same time as his tag, which sucks. But I have a. I have a few buddies that are chomping the bit to take them out. They're pumped about it. What so tag does he got? I'll
0: be in Colorado. He's got G1. Oh, he's got a G1. Holy shit. That's awesome. Oh.
2: Yeah. Well, he, you can get G1 if you put it as your first choice. And he drew X8 last year and uh, and got um, a pretty nice buck uh, that I glassed up first thing in the morning. So, um, yeah, he's got G1, which is which is an awesome hunt, especially if you get weather, right? So, Um, I'll be in Colorado, but I have a couple buddies that are going to take them out.
0: Nice. You do a Colorado tag?
2: I do. I do. Unfortunately, I've turned in more out of state hunts than I've actually gone on. Jeez Louise. I feel like I have terrible luck with that, but fingers crossed. I'm going out to Colorado period too.
0: When are you going?
2: Uh, the hunt is like October 28th through November 5th or something
0: like that. Oh, it's right around the corner. Yo, mm-hmm. oh, yeah,
2: it's, like, right here. Nice. So,
0: yeah, we essentially, I'm
2: just gearing up to do that.
0: Nice. Me and Dwight, we leave uh, next week. We're going out to Oregon. We drew uh, a Columbian Basin Unit 44 tag out there. Yeah.
2: Nice. So. I had a buddy who just got back from elk hunting out there and had a couple super close calls. So, he wanted me to go out, but I, I feel like I forget when I had to commit, but at the time, I wasn't sure... If I'd be fighting or not. Like, I had to basically commit when I didn't know what my schedule for fighting looked like. And because I lost my fight in June, it opened my schedule completely up. But at the time, I was like, well, I'm going to win this fight. So I don't know what my fight is after that, you know?
0: Right, right. You see so. that? Did you see the bull that Chad just shot? Who? Chad Mendez, Money Mendez. Oh, dude, he's always killing big animals. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he got you. That in- guy's got it. He that guy's a... got good juju around oh, him, yeah. Man. Oh yeah, he does. He's he's a. You know, man. he gave me one of his old bows. I know. I was gonna ask you that. So he got you into archery then?
2: Uh, no, I mean I was into it before then, and he knew
0: it. Oh, um,
2: so gotcha. we would talk about it quite often. But yeah, I just was using my dad's like 2000. I think it was a 2012. I forget what it is. It's a Hoyt, but I forget what uh what it is now. But I mean, it was a good bow, and I could still be using it, but. Uh, I told Chad that like I was like yeah I want to you know I want to upgrade just obviously you know when the finances are right and he I think at the time he was thinking about who do I give my one of my bows to and when you he heard that he was just like well I'm gonna give it to to Tyler so he hit me up the next day and was like hey dude I got something for you had me come out to his truck and gave me his bow oh that's, that's
0: so cool. cool yeah he, he that guy's yeah. a class act dude you yeah. know what I mean yeah
1: yeah you seemed like when we met him on that fishing oh truck, yeah fishing no mountain.
2: he's he's a yeah he's a real dude like uh. People all the time ask me, like, about guys on the team, like, Who, how's this guy? How's this guy? How's this guy? I mean, and they're all great. But, um, yeah, nothing but good things to say about Chad, obviously, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, cool. we hung out with him on a fishing trip, and uh, he's amazing, that's for sure. There he is. Yeah, him him, and Clay have got to be, like,
2: two of the realest guys on the planet, that's you super, know. That's
0: super dope. Have you been out fishing with Clay?
2: I uh, Yeah, just, just, like, bass fishing and stuff, uh-huh. yeah.
0: He's a big-time fisherman, huh? So,
2: oh, yeah. He, he, he's so in on it. Dude, that guy, he's like a little kid. He can't sleep the day before. It's hilarious. <laughs>
0: Uh, hey, well, Tyler, we're going on an hour and twenty minutes. I appreciate your time, dude, and everything else, man. You're a solid dude. I like you, dude. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So, <laughs> thanks,
2: man. I appreciate uh, it. I
0: appreciate you, dude. Tell Brandon we said oh. hi. Your wife, your kids, everybody, your, your diamond dash, your diamond cuts. Uh, we, we, we're all we're fans, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. I appreciate
1: everything, dude. And we hear those little noisemakers back there in the background. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I, hey, <laughs> it, 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 I'm sure they keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Always.
1: Absolutely, brother. Hey
0: well, thanks a lot, brother Tyler, and uh we'll be hearing from you again. I appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. You guys uh, have a good one. All you right, too, brother. brother. Have a good one, brother. Yep. Woo-hoo! Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See ya.